You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Well, good morning once again. I'm excited about this series we're going to go into, and it's going to lead us up to Easter. And uh, want to thank some of the, the students who came and brought stuff and uh, decorated the stage. So thank you guys who, who got into that and brought your tackle boxes and everything from home and uh, appreciate it very much. And we'll get into understanding what all this is and how it relates to us today in just a moment. But I'm excited about this because it really hits at the heart of the church at Rutledge and why we got started. This whole series is about uh, something that's that's very important to us. And so uh, it, it's a lot of who we are. It should be what a lot of who Christians are, and you'll see that this morning, but uh, in a special way for us. And so I'm excited about this series that will lead us up to Easter, and I think it will really help those who are members here, to focus on what's really important and for the rest of you to see what you might be missing around here uh, if you're not involved in this aspect of the Christian life and uh, that God will awaken something in you in that way. And if you're a visitor here, it's just a thing to say. If you're not uh, a Christian, you're not um, following Christ at this point, we're glad you're here. And this will help you let you in on our secret agenda, right? of what we're really about here and what our ultimate goal is. And that's for you to know Christ, to love him, see him for who he truly is, and, and to become a follower of Christ. And if it's so dear and so important to us, why would we not share that with other people uh, if we see the value to ourselves? There's even many uh, famous people who are atheists that would say, like you look at Penn and Teller, Penn would say, uh, man, I... I actually get offended uh, to the point, I'm, I'm just paraphrasing, but his thoughts are, I, I, I don't understand why a Christian would not try to share with me while he's around me. If he really believes that, then to not share with me, I don't get offended because he does. I get offended if he doesn't because that tells me he doesn't really care about me. So he understands the aspect of what Scripture says, even though he doesn't believe it, he understands who we say we are and therefore how we should uh, be around other people and it just it should hopefully for someone who's not a Christian we do this in such a way that they actually go well they care about me and I'm and, and I'm not turned off by what they said uh, it's actually a very loving act that they just show they just showed me and and so it's not always going to go that way but if we do our part and do it out of love then it then it should have a profound effect. But but anyway, uh, this series gives perspective perspective to everything else we do, and it's a lens through how to view everything we do here. And so Jesus made his agenda very clear up front when he called the first disciples to follow him, and he told them that when you follow him, he is going to make you into something that you weren't already. And we would think someone like Jesus would say, "When you, if you follow me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make you more disciplined, or I'm gonna make you more spiritual, or, you know, I mean, after all, I'd like to be more disciplined. And uh, if if he's a spiritual teacher and leader, then you'd think he'd make us more spiritual, or I'm gonna make you smarter, you know, because I know, because uh, because Jesus would say, you know, he's God, so." He knows everything, and you don't. So, you know, you think he'd say to you, if you follow me, I'm going to make you smarter. Or I'm going to make you a better husband or wife or richer, more organized, physically healthier, give you a better position in life or at work or whatever. All kinds of stuff Jesus could make me if I just if I would follow him, right? But right up front, he says to these first four guys that he calls, he says, follow me, and when you do, I'm going to make you blank. Not make you blank like blank, but I'm leaving out the word. Okay? You say you follow that. And what he told them probably scared them to death. 
I mean, he, he, they were probably like, probably even confused a little bit, but it, it wasn't what they were interested in and following him for. It wasn't their initial motivation for following Christ to become this. And what it is is really interesting, and they followed him anyway. And so the next few weeks, regardless of the weather, I know last night everybody thought the blizzard of, was it 93 or something, was coming back. And regardless of the weather and it not seeming like spring is here and seeming like it might not show up anytime soon, I hope that not just on Sundays, but every day, uh, you'll just be gone fishing from here on out. Okay? Isn't that nice? Now, don't go home and tell your wife and your boss that, hey, the preacher said every day now for the rest of the year I'm supposed to be gone fishing. Okay? Because that won't go over very well. That's something different. But what we're going to discuss and discover together is that the agenda Jesus had for these four guys that we're going to talk about is the same agenda He has for you and me. And it's the same secret agenda that we have at the church. You know, everybody thinks the preacher, he's he's after my money, he just wants a bigger church, he just wants this or whatever. Uh, as, As though we have some ulterior motive to what we do. And we're just following Scripture and following Jesus. And, and this is what He says we're to be about. And this is what we care about. And it's why we do everything that we do. And like those first guys, though, it can be a little bit confusing and perhaps a little scary or intimidating to think this is the kind of people we're supposed to be. This is what He's turning us into. And based on how you were raised in your religious background and your experience with other Christians... Um, let's just face it, we've all had kind of weird experiences with certain kinds of Christians. And you might have concluded uh, after a while there must be different brands of Christians and i got to watch out for these certain brands because they just scare me to death or I, they're weird or whatever it may be. And maybe when you get to heaven, you'll, you think there's going to be like different neighborhoods with different brands of Christians in those neighborhoods. And it's it, it's okay if they're over there in that neighborhood. I'm going to be over here in this neighborhood. I just don't want to go visit, okay? Those just aren't my people. Those aren't my brand of Christians, right? That's what we kind of have in our minds sometimes. But So maybe you met some preachers or some Christians that have tainted your response to this call that Christ Himself gives us But for those of you who consider yourselves followers of Jesus, um, Jesus would say to each of us, follow me and I will make you. And I would opt for myself more disciplined, smarter, more organized, healthier, richer, better father, better husband, so on. Which those things can happen. And he says, yeah, that's fine. But you know what? If you follow me, I'm going to make you something else. And if you have a Bible, you can turn with me to the book of Mark. If not, it'll be on the screen for you. Uh, normally I would share with you from the NASB. I'm going to go from the NIV today. Um, so if you'll turn to the book of Mark, pretty easy to find. We're going to start in the first chapter. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books of the New Testament called the four Gospels. And um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John kind of tell this uh, the same kind of stuff from a different perspective each, but, but same, each one tells the same story about Jesus and what they actually saw as eyewitnesses to these these historical events. And in Mark's account, he includes uh, when Jesus called the first disciples. Remember, he had 12 guys that followed him around, and the first four he gives this agenda to right up front that he's doing with every one of them. So let's start with Mark 1.14, verse 14. He says, after John was put in prison, John the Baptist, not Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, not that John, okay? Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. So what's Jesus doing? Jesus is walking around preaching, which is what you would expect, expect, right? And and here is what he would preach, okay? He's preaching the good news of God, what what you would essentially call the gospel or the good news or this message. But he would say this, the time has come, verse 15, he said, all the Jews have been waiting for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years for a Messiah to come. There have been a lot of wannabe Messiahs that came along, false Messiahs have come by, but the time has come for the real Messiah, the promise made in the Old Testament, the promise you've been waiting for for many, uh, 
many of these people for generations have waited for and thought God was going to, you know, at some point was going to come through on. Then they get so many hundred years into this and they start, especially during this 400 years between the Old Testament and New Testament when God was silent. There was a lot of discouragement and didn't think God was going to come through. But now he says it's time. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near. And the Jews thought this meant that God was going to send a Messiah to like take over the government and overthrow the existing king and rule as king over a physical earthly kingdom. So they went and they heard this and they would say, well, it's about time. You know, it's, it's about time we were tired of being under everybody else's rule and being stepped on. Um, which is kind of ironic to me because the times that the church historically back all the way to this time till today, that the church has always prospered and reached more people during times of persecution when they were under someone else's rule and stepped on and under some government that was not friendly to the church. Okay, interesting, isn't it? Okay. Mark 1.15, again, the time has come, he said, the kingdom of God is near, repent and believe the good news. Okay? This is really, really deep and profound, even though it looks simple on the sur surface here a little bit. Okay? Well, break it down for us, Marty. Okay. If, if you look back, okay? Sorry, those are my thoughts in my head, and sometimes I just share them. Okay? If you looked back through the Old Testament, the word um, repent was something God's people would do in preparation for something God was getting ready to do. God was going to, we want God to do something, or God's going to do something, and so we'll repent in preparation for what that thing is He's going to do. God would say, if you repent, I'll give you back your land. Right? There's, there's stuff like that in Scripture that we read that we see uh, where God says, if you do this, if you repent, then I'll do this. If you'll repent, then I'll give you this. There's, there's times like, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will repent, humble themselves and pray, then they'll heal their land. You know, there's all kinds of things that say, if you'll repent, then I'll do this. Repenting was always a precursor uh, to God doing something. Okay, Jesus uses this in this in this sentence and check out what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to turn toward God and pay attention. He, he's a, he's saying God's about to do something and I don't want you to miss it. OK, he's about to do something and I don't want you to miss it. God is about to bring his kingdom to bear. And if you don't repent, if you don't prepare and pay attention, you may miss what God is doing. And to prepare, you need to get your hearts lined up with God and be in sync with God so that when He does something, you're not going to miss it and you'll get to be in on it. Okay? Anybody see back in January, the first of the year? Um, you can go online. There's all kinds of astronomical events that happen throughout the year. But back in January, evidently this happens every year at the first few days of January. But there's this uh, thing about the debris left from the ex extinct extinct comet known as 2003 EH1, okay? And if you went out after midnight, particularly on January 3rd that night through that morning of the 4th, you, you could see the um, quadrantis, quadrantids meteor shower, okay, is what it's called. And you could see that. Anybody go out and see that back in January? Anybody? That's surprising. Okay. I thought at least Bruce would be out there under the stars looking up, looking for something, right? But but it's I didn't see it either. Don't worry about it. Now, anybody that did see it, right? Anybody that saw it, uh, because they were out, probably it was probably cold back then and you were out freezing after midnight or later, um, because they were out there and saw it, it's not that they made the meteor shower happen. Okay? You're like, well, duh. Okay? But they got to see it while the rest of us slept in and missed it. Okay? 
If none of us saw it, does it mean that the meteor shower didn't happen? Well, no. It just means we didn't prepare and do what it takes to see it. Okay, very simple principle, right? And Jesus is saying here the same thing. Something's about to happen, and if you don't prepare and get your relationship solid with God, then you're not going to see it. You're going to miss it. Okay? Sometimes Nikki and I will go to Myrtle Beach and we go take the kids or whatever. There was a time when we would, uh, back in the day, we would go with uh, her extended family and we would go to Myrtle Beach. And, and so we would get there and, and, I'm, and there's another neat observation there. You know what kind of people find shark's teeth on the beach? People who are looking for them. Okay, right? Uh, Nikki's Aunt Edie would would find, she always would find a couple every time she would go because she would look for them. I never found any. Guess why? Because I never looked for them, okay? I, and so you generally don't find shark's teeth unless you're looking for them, okay? Now, I, I, they're out there, and looking for them doesn't put them there, but looking for them ensures that if you're looking where they're at, you'll see them, okay? Pretty simple principle, but we don't get that sometimes about our relationship with God. If I'm not prepared and aligned with Him, then I may miss what He's doing. If I'm not paying attention, if I'm not in the right uh, place with Him. Jesus is saying that here. It's going to happen, and the only people that are going to get in on it are those who are paying attention and focused on the right stuff. And in the midst of preaching this message... These guys that people name their kids after these days, Peter, Andrew, James, and John, come into the story, and look what happens in verse 16. As Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee, okay, just finished this message, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you more spiritual, more disciplined, better person, honest and holy. No, he says, I want you guys to follow me, and it's not what you're, you've signed up for or what you're going to sign up for or even know what this means fully at this point. Yet, just aren't interested in it right now. But if you follow me, I'm going to make you something you aren't, and, and you're going to make yourself, and you aren't going to make yourself into this, and it won't happen uh, overnight, okay? But follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. If in the in the book of Luke, actually, this same story is translated as saying it this way: "From now on, you will catch men, okay, instead of fish." And 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 so, and I know all the single ladies there got excited finally in this message, but that's not what this means, okay? Sorry, um, just seeing if you're awake. And it, but it, but it got their attention too. You know, it, it, it really got the attention of, of these guys and they were like, say what? Like, really? Like, what do you mean? And, and they must have thought it was crazy or, man, we don't really get that and what he's saying. But look what happens. Verse 18. At once they left their nets and followed him. And doesn't that sound really irresponsible? I mean, all the dads are in here going, my boys just walk, like we're, we're working here. And they just walked off, okay? Dad's there looking to pass the family business and fishing onto these guys and carry on the legacy of the, the fishing business. They had built, and all of a sudden, a homeless man walks along and says, hey, come follow me. And they're like, see you, Dad, got to go, right? You have to know the story right before this that we'll get to in a minute, but and why Dad would be like, yeah, go ahead. But, but up front reading this, you're like, that just don't seem right. Like, why would this happen? That's why you got to take Scripture in context, right? We always talk about that. Context of the verse, the, the, the Scriptures around it, the book and the whole Bible, right? But it, but it just doesn't seem right if you just read that one part. But do you see the radical impact that Jesus has on somebody when they get it? When they become His followers, it changes them drastically. The obedience becomes an excited joy, not a begrudging, i got to do this task. Verse 19, when he had gone a little bit further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. 
without delay, he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. And, and the really amazing part about this is, is as little as they knew about Jesus at that point, as little as, as they knew then, by the end of the next few chapters, they have become men that were just what Jesus said they would, he would make them if they followed him. They took the message Jesus preached and began to share in their own areas of influence with the people they knew uh, through the different uh, places they went. They'd share it in their own sphere of influence and, and other opportunities presented to them through their different personalities because these guys were all different. They all didn't become in personality like Jesus. They became like him in character is what we're supposed to do. It's me, uniquely me, but with the character of Christ but being a fisher of men. And, and God used them to relay a message to a whole generation, a new generation, a new demographic of people. They relayed the message well, and they taught that it wasn't enough to follow, but that you had to fish. To follow meant that you were fishing. And those people shared it with other people who understand the follow is the fish. And those people shared it with other people who knew that to follow is the fish. And because they kept that going all the way from this time, all the way around the world to where we are today, this church exists and you and I get to be followers of Christ. Why? Because people knew and understood this simple principle 2,000 years ago that if you are to follow means to fish. And so here we are, years later, celebrating, living for, worshiping the living Son of God, Jesus Christ, not just because people followed. If they had followed, it would have just ended right there. You understand that? But because they all learned that to follow was to fish. Followers of Christ fish for people. The implication being, if you aren't fishing. Do you understand this? This should really wake us up. I don't care how mature a Christian we are. Even for me, every time I go back and study this, look at these scriptures, I go, am I, am I really doing this? Implication is if you aren't fishing, you aren't following. And statistics say that most Christians, most people who say they are born again believers in Jesus Christ, statistics say that, that most never, never share their faith, much less lead someone to faith in Christ. Now, now, what does that say? Okay? And we wonder why the church in America is declining. Now, now am I challenging your salvation in this statement? No, that's not for me to do. But Scripture, Jesus, He can do that if He wants to. Okay, I'm just sharing with you what this says, and it, and hopefully it helps us reflect on our lives. Okay, Acts one eight. What does Jesus say in there? This is we taught a, the seminary we did uh, in Honduras here just this past February. It was all on evangelism, and the first whole two hour class was about laying out a, the the theology of evangelism. And this is one of the big scriptures that we use in one, Acts 1 8. You got, you got to understand this. Jesus says in there, this is Jesus speaking, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. You will receive power. What does it say? And you might be, like, if you really want to do evangelism, then you'll, you'll be my witnesses. Like if, if that just happens to occur, like you don't really have to do that. If you'll just do, you know, if you just go to church every Sunday, then that's good enough. It says you will be my witnesses. There's like, like an optional plan there. And you're going to do it in your city, right? Jerusalem, in Judea. You're going to do it in your country. 
Samaria. You know what? I, I thought about this for the first time. I think it's interesting he threw Samaria in there. It's a, it's a neighboring country at that point, so to say. It's a, it's a specific area. But who are the Samaritans? Who, who are these people of Samaria? They didn't care for them too much, did they? Like they would go around that, the city of Samaria because they didn't like it. So it's going in, in your uh, city, in your country, even those people you don't like who are so different from you, who historically you've been separated because of some reason. And to the ends of the earth, even places like Honduras, even places like there where it's the murder capital of the world. And if you're following, Jesus will accomplish what He said He would do in the first in the first disciples. If you're following, this will happen to you. He will make you a fisher of men. If you're following me. And these pages are full of people who met Jesus and in Appalachian American talk, they done gone fishing, right? They would meet Jesus and begin to follow Him and that's what happened to them. They were, they were tax collectors, prostitutes, a woman married five times, a guy full of demons and Jesus cast out the demons and the, men, the man went back to his town and, and he became a fisher of men. And all throughout the New Testament, we see a connection between a follower of Jesus and that person becoming someone who fishes for men. Like the connection's there. And these guys were terrible at it at the beginning. Okay, let me give you some hope. Okay, because all these guys were really bad at this to start with. Okay, all kinds of funny stories about it. Times they went in and, and they knew what they were, you know, they thought they knew what they were doing. Times that they just outright didn't. Um, but they took it and ran with it and Jesus would have to reel them back in and help them out every now and then and say, well, you just, you messed this part up. Well, you didn't do that right or whatever. One time they came, uh, in and all these children are crowded around Jesus, right? And what they do, they, they, they just ran all the, ch- the disciples ran, run all the kids off. And Jesus was like, man, guys, that was my sermon illustration. You just ran my sermon illustrating that. Go get the kids and bring them back out here. Did I, don't you get this? You know, I was going to talk about faith and you just ruined my visual aid. Okay. Bring the kids back in. Okay. There's, they just didn't connect all the time. Then one time they argued in front of Jesus who was about who was going to be greatest in the kingdom. You know, once he established his kingdom, the kingdom of heaven. And, and that's like two ants arguing in front of an elephant who's bigger, right? To the elephant, they're both like really small. And one time they, they went to, the disciples went to cast out a demon and the demon wouldn't budge. He wouldn't come out of the guy. And they came back to Jesus and they were like all bummed out about how it went and this demon wouldn't leave. And, and Jesus looks at them and is like, well, did you pray? And they're like, oh, no. Okay. Well, you got to pray, guys. Okay. Oh, oh, yeah, pray. Guys, pray. Write that down. Pray before we do that next time. Okay. You know, it's, it's like us. It, it, it's the same way. Is, isn't that so us? Even that whole praying part, when we get in trouble, right? Or things go wrong or it doesn't work like we thought it would and God should work and, and, we, and yet we miss the simple foundational truths. We so want to reverse two-handed slam dunk and we have forgot all about the fact that we needed to dribble the ball on the way to the goal. And we need to learn how to jump. And, 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 and we think because we can't two-handed slam dunk and this awesome thing happened, there must be something wrong with the coach, right? And it's the same thing. We don't even pray. We don't read our Bible. And we expect God to do big things. And we think, well, He's so far away and He must not exist then. Something must be wrong with the coach. Something must be wrong with Him. And we're not even doing the fundamentals. So all throughout these, this journey, these guys are learning, they're getting stuff, and they're getting some stuff wrong, and they're even struggling at times. But by the end of the story, what happens? These few guys turn the world upside down all the way to the fact that we're here. Because what Jesus did through those 12 guys, because He made them fishers of men. And when we 
that when Jesus called me to follow him and called you to follow him, it wasn't simply to make you a better person, to make you more organized, to make you a more holy, a better spouse or better giver even. He calls us to something more, something more than we could ever imagine. And over the next few weeks, we're going to learn more about what it is to be fishers of men, that he calls us to to do this in other people's lives and what someone has done in your life, you realize the reason that if you know Christ today, it's because somebody fished for you. It's because God worked in somebody else's life to come to you that you're able to be here and know Christ and treasure Him and understand what all that means and know God because of how Jesus worked through someone else. Now, it's interesting that in the same way these guys come to know Jesus, uh, it's it's kind of similar in how we become Christians today, uh, because nobody re- signs up, nobody becomes a Christian going, man, I get that, and I want to be a fisher of of men, so I'm going to repent and, of all my sin and and follow Jesus because that's just what I really want to do. Like that's not the first initial thing that happens in us, and, and right, I mean. I don't, I don't know of anybody that that's the way it initially happened. The reason I became a Christian, same reason probably you did in different way, a little bit different ways, is that we all kind of had a little bit of selfish motives in there. It, it was to have a purpose in life. I know for me that was a big thing. Is I, I just went, God, what in the world are you doing with me? Like I, I think I've gone off on all these paths trying to do great things, but it's really been about me. But but then I thought, well, God could give me a great purpose. Maybe it was to just have peace. You saw that, man, if I just if I follow Christ, maybe I can have the fruits of the Spirit and get peace. Or or maybe it was, I see, I, you know, for a lot of us, we have to understand, For everybody has to understand the sin issue. So maybe it was just overwhelming guilt. And I just need, uh, I just need forgiveness because I can't function without forgiveness. So we come to Him for our own selfish to get forgiveness. Salvation in itself has a, a, a form of that. Abundant life. We just go, well, give me abundant life. What does that mean? Not sure, but it sounds great, so I'll take some of that, right? <clears throat> I mean, for some people, it's it starts as the IQ test. I know we talk about that a lot, and I know I talk about how that isn't really getting it, but through that, there are people who have eventually got there, and, and it's not the best way to start off with the IQ test of heaven or hell. Which do you want? Heaven equals good. Hell equals bad. Okay, really? Well, what do I have to do? To hit, uh, click my heels together three times and I get out of hell and into, into heaven. I don't care. Whatever I need to do, I'll just do that little thing and get into heaven, right? <clears throat> For some of you, it might have been that your marriage was falling apart or your life was bad or you were addicted to drugs or you were lonely or whatever it was and the circumstances led you to Jesus and you started following Him, but initially you didn't sign up to say, I want to be a fisher of men. <clears throat> Just wanted relief, maybe, from some things. Wanted to be rescued. Things were falling apart and wanted Jesus to put the pieces back together. Maybe things were good for you and you just, and for approval or to fill emptiness, you became a Christian. And so it, it starts as fix this, help me, get me here, do this, bless me, bless me, protect me, and help me out here in this way and Give me a job, now give me a better job, or fix my marriage, or give me a marriage, or give me another marriage, or just give me a boyfriend, or please get rid of this boyfriend, or what, whatever it may be, right? Help me, help me do this. <clears throat> and God is so patient with us. <clears throat> Excuse me. Grab me one of those waters, please. Sorry. <clears throat> God's really, really patient with us. Thank you very much. Sorry, I can't get this tickle out of my throat. And God's so patient. He listens and He'll interact with us and, and, and go through all of that stuff with us. He'll help us and, and, and show up. And, and then as we work through that stuff, you know, we show up here once a week. We might go to home team. And, 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 and God will do things every now and then, trying to bring us to Himself, and things will happen. And we'll think, wow, God is, is really listening to me, and He met this need in my life, and He did this for me, gave me a chance, this opportunity for this. And, 
and it, and it's, and it can be great following Jesus because that stuff happens sometimes. And I mean, people who know God and are Christians, you know, you hear me say they look at people who are not Christians and think, why wouldn't you want to do this? Who would not want to know this God that's real as I've experienced him and, and seen it happen and prayers get answered and things actually change and me change and me become, you know, better or whatever it may be. Why would anybody not want to do that? It's wonderful. We, I mean, when you know him, even in the deepest, darkest times, you just think, man, he is so faithful and, and I trust him and the, and the peace that I have, even in the midst of all this struggle, is very supernatural. Like, I can't understand why I'm just okay. Anything else isn't really living after you know God intimately. And so we started following Jesus because of, the, of, of that sort of deal, right? Same with these guys in the Bible. So when you know this story in more detail, remember I said if you knew the, the, what happened right before that, you understand why it was so easy. Because uh, Luke tells this story and gives more detail, and it seems strange, as I said, when you hear it in Mark, but when you understand what it what just happened, it makes more sense. This, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, comes right on the heels of this deal where where Jesus, you know, they the disciples had been out all night and didn't catch anything, right? And and Jesus walks up and 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 he tells them to go fishing some more midday when it's harder to catch. They're like, man, we've been out all night. We're fishermen. We know what we're doing. And you want us to go out now when we caught anything all night? And Jesus tells them to go out and they listen and they catch so many fish that they have to call James John over and bring more boats and, and, and just to hold all of the fish that they caught, right? Remember that? So many fish they were amazed. And after that is Jesus coming along and saying, hey, follow me. And what are they going to say? Nah, you go ahead. We're just going to stay here and clean all these fish, right? And dad's like, follow him, okay? Follow that guy that filled the boats. We got the fish, guys. We got hired guys. Go follow him, right? Don't worry about it. Follow him. And they didn't follow Jesus because they wanted to become fishers of men. They followed because of what they saw and experienced and what God did for them. But Jesus warned them, you follow me long enough, I'll take you beyond the what have you done for me lately kind of thing. I'll take you beyond that. I will lead you to become something you're not. Because followers fish for people. And if you follow long enough, Jesus will take all the mundane stuff in your life, the everyday stuff that happens between birth and death, and take all of that stuff and use it for eternal value in your life and in the lives of those around you. Because it isn't about bless me, protect me, help me, all of that stuff, all the temporal stuff. But God can use all of that to have eternal value if you follow and you become a fisher of men. Isn't it true really that the most, everything we pray about in this life is really about the, the temporal stuff? The birth to death stuff? Anybody else with me or am I, I'm not up here by myself, right? That's our prayers, isn't it? I'm not alone up here in my thoughts. I mean, your marriage is important and you pray that God will let, bless your marriage, but one day I'll die, Nikki will die, our marriage will end one day, Okay? Our earthly marriage here will end one day. And, and you ask God to protect your children, but one day that relationship ends. And you ask God to help you with your finances, but one day your cash flow is coming to an end. No more checkbooks. Well, we don't even have checkbooks anymore anyway. No more debit cards, credit cards. No more online giving. You know, none of that stuff. No more Amazon and eBay. All that goes away. Think about this. The things we're most passionate about and pray about and beg God over is only important in the context of birth to death. And it has no merit on its own. It matters not at all. It's all about this life and God is concerned about those things to a degree, but only in the context that Jesus makes it clear of when, when they're used for fishing for men for eternal purposes. 
And so that's what I want you to get as we start your, this series. Your Heavenly Father has, a, has a, the potential to take all of the menial, mundane parts of your life that we get so concerned over and pray over and give it eternal value if we will follow Him and use it as fishers of men. See, God will take, what am I going to major in and what career am I going to have and where do I want to get a job and is she the one or is he the one? He'll take all of that stuff we pray about and God will take all the protect me, heal me, lead me, show me, give me and shape it in such a way to get you perfectly positioned in someone else's life to be the main fisher of men on that person's behalf. Okay? You get that? God will, could perfectly position your experiences, your pains, your hurts, your lows, your highs, your money, your age, your success, your failure, your relationships, your career, whatever, and use that to place you in the life of someone and connect you with them and all the things that have happened in their life to meet up so that you could become the perfect fisher of men to throw a line to that person. And when it all comes together, it gives eternal value to all of those prayers and all that stuff that you were worried about. The birth, the death stuff. And you think it's easy for me. I know this is, everybody looks at me and goes, yeah, but it's easy for you. You're the preacher and you know all the right things to say and, and you, you know all the scripture stuff and how to lead people through that. And you think it's easy for me to fish for men because I'm the, I'm the preacher, right? And I look at all you guys every week and I look out here and I go, Man, I'm so jealous of these people because they've got such spheres of influence I don't have. I hang out with other preachers a lot. Okay? But you can fish in there too. But, okay? I hang out with, with church people a lot. Okay? That's why I intentionally do things like, like the chaplain thing or go serve or volunteer here. I, I try to do a lot of things to give me those areas of where I can fish for personally because it drives me, right? And, and I look at y'all, you guys and I think every person in here would be better at fishing than I ever could be. And the reason is because I'm the preacher. Because everybody looks at me and goes, well, of course the preacher is going to tell me I need to get saved. Well, of course, that's what he's going to... They know that and they see me coming, right? They're like, oh, great, here comes a preacher, Right? He's going to hit me with a Bible over the head or tell me how I'm doing something wrong or like try to ask me to donate to something. You know, like that's that's in their mind. You guys are laughing because you know it, right? Because you've looked at preachers and thought that, okay? And, and so they look at me and they go, here comes the professional salesman. That, that They wouldn't say it that way, but that's how it's looked at. But see, that's why I look at you guys and I go, you'd be so much better at it because hopefully you're the satisfied customer. And your testimony about it is better than any. Like Andrew telling you his donuts are great is one thing, right? But when like David or Tyler or me or somebody else says, man, you've got to go eat the donuts, okay? I've just lost every one of you now. Your minds are off in donut land, okay? But when, 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 somebody, when a, somebody else passes the word, that's why word of mouth is the best advertising because it's a testimony from somebody who's experienced it and knows for themselves. You get that? You have open doors to people I won't have open to me simply because of who I am and what I do. You don't have that barrier, right? I'm the preacher who's always up to something. I have to get somebody, right? But the deal is this, even for me, it's so difficult to view ourselves as having the potential to be fishers of men. We look at other people always and think they would be great at it. Well, they'd be great at it because they've lived a life of sin, and so they've got this powerful testimony. What a story of change! Or no, it would be—they would be great at 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 witnessing to people because they've lived this life and being close to God, and not really messed up that much, and they know so much about Scripture, and so they could really help somebody. And and and, and we always think that somebody else would be the best person to to be the fisher of men for somebody. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm. Not talented enough. I'm too talented. People won't buy it. I'm a failure. I'm too big a success. But everything, it's always the other person's always great at it. It's so hard for us to look at our individual lives and think, we can do this. I can do this. 
But listen to the words of Jesus. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You won't get it all at once, all at, at first. And of course, you'll have some problems and doubts and think you don't get it right every time and all this. But it's, it, it's not so much about methods and processes. If you follow... <clears throat> If you follow him, he, he might give you a date if you brush your teeth or whatever. You might get a job. He'll deal with that stuff. Like you can pray about that and he's concerned about the details of your life. But if you follow, he wants to leverage all that for something greater. Because he's going to put you perfectly positioned in somebody's life to be someone's fisherman. Okay, There's someone who will listen to you who won't listen to me. There's someone you can impact that the person next to you can't impact. Let me help you if you're a follower of Jesus. Think about the people who helped you across that line of faith and made you want to follow. Think about those people. If you're a follower of Christ, there were people in your life who helped you cross that line, right? If you became a Christian as a child, think about the person... Uh, once you hit 15, 18, 25, 30, there were people that brought you back or focused you in. Think about the group or person who God strategically placed in your life to help you get closer to Jesus. See, some key things about that whole deal is you had already heard about Jesus before they came along. It wasn't new at that point for you. Nobody came up when you were 20 or 30 and said, Jesus died for your sins. And you're like, really? What? I, I, who's this Jesus guy? What are you talking about? Right? In other words, it wasn't simply the message. It was the messenger perfectly placed by God fishing for you. Something about that person combined with the message made you want to follow. Okay? And understand I'm not giving glory to any person. I want you to understand the, the thinking here, okay? But the gospel that God uses through that fisherman in the, with the right circumstances got you where you are. It's what God does, how He decided during our time to deliver His message to others it is in this way. God decided God could do it without us, but here's the amazing thing, and Scripture teaches this. This is a, a big understanding of Scripture. God has chosen not to not to give His message, not to bring salvation to people without using humans in the process. Okay? It's an amazing thought because it is all Jesus and it's all Him because if He had never done that, it, it could never happen if He had not died on the cross in our place for our sin. But God doesn't... He's chosen not to do this without human interaction. The tract that, you, that may be left for somebody was typed out, written, and put together, printed, and, and made by someone. The printed Bible, the message, the church service, the act of kindness, all human interaction for the process to get the message of Jesus to people. There's a place in the, in the Scriptures, I wish I had looked this up beforehand, that talks about something lacking in the cross. And the Bible explains that the only thing lacking in the cross is that we, that is for us to deliver the message. That's what He wants to use us to do. He will use you to do this. You, you, can't, you say, well, I can't explain it like somebody else can explain it. Um, I can't say it as well as somebody else say, says it. I mean, you, you've probably been here 30 minutes and you're still trying to find the book of Mark, right? From where we started at the beginning. And how can I possibly lead somebody to Christ? But listen to this. It's, it's, the, it's the message plus the messenger, plus unique circumstances and and that leads somebody to that aha moment. That's how he uses that. Okay? You're the person, given some circumstances and experiences, and given who you are that God wants to use to be the primary fisherman for somebody. And the, the primary reason for me preaching this series is this, if we aren't thinking and focused on this and we aren't aware of what God really wants us to do, then we sleep through the meteor shower. Okay? We never find the shark's tooth. 
We, leave, we start to live these mundane Christian lives. We miss the opportunity and we live our whole Christian life trying to be good enough, holy enough, more disciplined and better and healthier and richer. And it has no value except in the temporary for us. But you can fish. You can say, Heavenly Father, here are my successes, my failures. My hopes, my dreams, my needs, my prayers, the good, the bad, and everything else about me, here it all is. Use it for something eternal. If you can use this to impact somebody else, here it is. Use me. And I'm going to be awake, and I'm going to be watching and paying attention to people around me and aware of what you're doing. And I want to be a follower who fishes. And I know this morning some of you may be brand new Christians and this is my experience in ministry, though. Brand new Christians make the best fishers of men. Okay? Than people who have been Christians even for five years, ten years or more. This churches get crowded because of new Christian, newly caught fish catching other fish. You're a prime candidate to reach some of us. All of us need to be intentional about this. So if you're a Christian here and, and you need to be aware of these things. And I, I had printed out all of these wonderful verses, tons and tons of verses, right, that tell us this is what we're supposed to do. As Christians, There's no, you can't read the Bible and come to the point where you go, even for the, the Calvinist the, or the hyper-Calvinist, oh my gosh, here we go, okay, right? You can't get to the point of reading Scripture where you say everybody's just chosen so it doesn't matter. Everybody's elected or predestined, whatever. Even guys, that's why I love guys like John Piper who's Calvinist and I don't, may not agree with every... I'm not a Calvinist. I'm, a, I'm just not. But that's not all the point of it. I don't want to get sidetracked on that stuff. But I love John Piper because he says this. He, I'll tell you. You can't read the Bible... And not understand that as a Christian, you're supposed to go and tell people. That you're supposed to share your faith. There's no way you can read the Bible and a, and a Christian doesn't understand that our primary goal is to share, is to introduce people to God. And to tell people about Jesus. I mean, and he said to them, go in the world and proclaim the gospel to all of creation. Mark 16, Matthew 28, 19-20. Whole great commission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, right? I, and I love, I'm just going to read this. There's tons and tons of these things in here, but let me just read this to you to close, okay? Because this is what I'm talking about. God uses, in my notes, God uses us in this process. Like there's only one way that God has chosen that somebody's going to know about Him in this age. It's because you tell them. Period. Okay? How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? This is Romans 10, 14. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As, as it, is, it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Okay? Best pedicure ever. Right there. Okay? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. They can't, they're not going to hear unless you tell them. And it's not talking about the preacher. It's talking about you sharing the gospel with people. Right? So if you're here and you're not a Christian, we're, we just want you to know we're grateful that people that for people that fished for us, that got me to this point. They didn't force us on the hook. They didn't walk up and Right? They just put it out there and said, here it is. We chose to take what was offered from God and so glad someone was willing to be used by God to show it to us. And our motivation for this is, is out of love for people because we treasure God and we see how great He is and know what this all means that we can't stand it until people know. Okay? You just it, it it should drive us as Christians. You know, um, I started to go do some visiting last night, and then there's all this talk of the snow and all that stuff, and, and so I thought I'm just going to go home or whatever, and then then I end up 
uh, in a conversation with, with, with an officer in the community, and then I get called out to go uh, do some stuff. A guy contacted another officer, let's go do this. And so I end up standing in a, in a, in a mobile home, and I'm standing there, and I'm just going, It's just out of, I'm not sitting there looking down on these people. It's a whole party and people get arrested and things happen and you just, but you're just standing there and you're seeing how they're, the hopelessness. You're seeing how they think they have this fun life, but at the end of it all, they're in jail or their, their health is terrible. You know, there's their life's, there's no purpose. They're, you just see the pain beneath the surface of the party. You know what I mean? And and you just and my heart just it just crushes you standing there. And it's out of love that you want to go, hey, can I tell you? You don't have to live like this. And there's to a certain extent in those environments I can talk to people. And if they ask, I can really talk to people. But we got to understand, I was talking about it this morning before church, there is such brokenness in our community that we need to be aware of. We live our little protected lives and go to work and we pass homes every day, every one of you do, where you would not believe the stuff that goes on and the hopelessness. And it's in some of the homes of the people who come here and kids. And we can't afford to just live our comfortable little lives for the temporary. And so my prayer is this is this is the drive that started our church was to say we got to get out earn we're going to talk about it earn people's trust and build relationships and get to where we can ultimately share with them the life-changing news of Jesus Christ. And so I hope that'll be you. I, I if you need to to surrender your life to Christ this morning, I'm a come talk to me afterwards. I'm not going to do a big invitation thing this morning. But you know if God's calling you and tapping you on the shoulder this morning and you need to make a change in your life, we're available for you. And so just contact us, come see me right after service, whatever it is. But for the rest of us, I just want us to have this prayer time as, as we get ready to sing um, that we would just say, God, I, you know what? Maybe I've gotten focused on the temporary and I just need to, Thank you. Thank God for the shift and and bringing the eternal back to my mind. And that God would bring people to your mind right now this morning that you'd go, you know, God's probably put me in that person's life and focused me in and all this stuff has got me to the point that this, this is one of those people I'm supposed to just share with. That this is one of those people that I've been putting their life to help them that way and so I need to be more intentional about that. So let's pray and then we'll sing some more together. Father, thank you for who you are and how you work. When we look at your word and your plan, we just are amazed. Thank you for just giving us your word and sharing your message to us, Father, that we could know what life's really all about. That you would make it so clear to us when we pay attention. Father, I pray for minds and hearts to be open to your word and that change would take place in us this morning. Father, I pray for those that are lost, who are far from you this morning in our community, that are in the spheres of influence of the people sitting in this room. God, would you awaken them to who you are? Would you work through us Would we just say, here I am, Lord, send me. Would we surrender wholly to you this morning? Father, would we just, not to to be a, just a flippant theme or a funny little catchy thing this morning, but could we be fishers of men? Could we be people who are gone fishing all the time? That that would be on our minds. Would you just bring it to the minds of, of all of us as we go about our week, as we hit work Monday morning, as we hit the road, as we do whatever it is we do Monday, would you just start immediately putting it on our minds? Today I'm fishing. 
And it may start with an invitation to church. It may start with taking somebody to lunch. It may start with going to their kids' ball game. It may start with whatever. And we're going to talk more about that. But Father, would you just help us just to lean in and embrace that and it not be about us? Thank you, Father, that someone fished for us. Thank you, Father, that you sent someone and worked through them to bring us to you. May we honor that and just continue that with others. Thank you that you sent your son to die on the cross in our place for our sin, that we could have this relationship with you and have the opportunity to be your ambassadors, your representatives on this earth. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you.